Anthony Darby. Chuck Ken. We are back in action after a short little COVID vacation and um, have a great guest today. Thank you so much, Chrissy, for coming on. Um, Chrissy, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Uh, my name is Chrissy Earhart. I am the owner of Zeno Wellness Studio in Berlin, Maryland, as well as the Healing Arts Center of the Eastern Shore, Berlin, Maryland, which is where Zena is housed out of at the moment. And we, uh, Chuck and I, and uh, Dr. Hoffman and Brandon have just had the awesome, uh, pleasurable experience of, of our first sound bath. <laughs> um, and uh, we went downstairs in a community room and uh, about an hour or so. It was, it was yeah. About an hour. Um, and it was really, really, really uh, awesome. So my hope is that we'll be able to kind of give you guys a little bit of perspective of what we just went through and, and why it was so helpful. And I think Chuck and I both feel like we come out kind of revised. I, I mentioned that it almost felt like I was like I went through a massage, like the level of relaxation that I had and um, lack of, of consciousness and just free flow was really, really needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in a really stressful time right now. And um, you know, it's, it's so awesome that we get to experience these things ourselves, right? Because we, we go out there and we, we, you know, we believe in all these different modalities. And we believe in all these different types of tools. Um, and then to actually go downstairs and experience it and to have this feeling of, of relief and just in a cool spot right now and then jump right back into our day-to-day life, right? So it's, that's awesome that you had an hour down there, but I came up, I already know there's inspection things going on, we're shooting a podcast, right? Like we're back to life. Yeah. And I think um, that's so much of, you know, that's the important part for me is to, that I use these tools so that I can continue to, to go at it at a high rate of speed and, and continue to kind of do these things. But as you mentioned, take time for yourself and make sure that, you know, we're, we're reflecting. Chuck, any, any thoughts? No, I mean, I think uh, for, I guess for me, we'll get into the experiences and stuff, but I thought it was awesome. It kind of reminded me of, I've done like float tank stuff before <laughs> and like the feeling, and for me, this was an easier, sometimes with that, at least for me, it's a different feeling because you're naked floating in a pool of water. So it takes you almost an hour to get used to it and get into that say unconscious state of mind, but that state of relaxation where something like this had almost a more immediate effect because you're not dealing with kind of those, I guess, the, the effect of water and getting used to just the weirdness of it. Um, when you- the feeling that I had when I opened my eyes at the end was like identical to the best float tank experience I've had because my body, you know, the relaxation I guess the onset of it was way quicker and then there was kind of different periods for me that I transitioned from just being completely relaxed and I think I fell asleep for a couple of minutes when the ocean waves were going to when the drum beat came on and I always felt like I was in that warrior mode to the nurturing mode at the end like it was a transcendence for me to like different mindsets throughout the process which I thought was pretty interesting I could still feel myself breathing at a much uh, I guess more reduced Kind of just more natural, just in, out, just like natural, not through the mouth or anything like that. So yeah. And Ch- Chuck does a lot more. He does a lot more meditation than I do. I tried uh, to, and at least for me, I think I've tried to delve into these different things. It's really hard for me just to sit there by myself with no sound to do the meditation. I feel like if you have sound like we had today through the different instruments that you guys probably see on the table, whether it's drums or the bowls or Chrissy's voice, you know, Mm -hmm. itself, it's way easier to get into that 
kind of state of mind. I'm sure I didn't reach it fully, right? But to get into some aspect of that state of mind, that it would be just to sit by yourself and you know have a um, what they call it? Uh, what's the just like a the antibody experience? Yeah, or just like a like a like a saying that you say over and over. A, a mantra, mantra, right? A mantra. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like the sound for me was way easier to get into that right state of mind that would be just a mantra in your head. I think that was like the Absolutely. biggest difference from it. And can I jump in really yeah, quick please. to explain why that happens? So it's called, the scientific term is called entrainment. And entrainment is when there's two energetic bodies and we can break it down to however you want to say it. We could do cell, add it doesn't matter. When two energies lock harmoniously together and start to spin in harmony, just like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, when they start dancing and they lock in, and that's it. Well, entrainment does that between three to five minutes with everyone, whether it be sound, whether it be just energy, raw energy. We see this oftentimes, and I encourage everyone to do their own social experiences and experiments, um, perhaps after quarantine. <laughs> but we notice this oftentimes if we're in large groups of people or if you're at a party or a family gathering or even a social outing or work outing, and someone will come in the room and all of a sudden, between three to five minutes, your energy will shift because it's becoming entrained by that person if they are either on the gamut of being, I hate to use this word, but Debbie Downer. So either someone who tends to have a lower vibration that they carry anyway, a little bit gossipy, you know, just kind of or someone who's the quote unquote life of the party. And then all of a sudden you notice like everyone's just getting a little bit, like a little looser and like a little more jovial. Whereas the other one, when it happens three to five minutes, you'll start to notice that people may leave or, you know, they start to feel a little uncomfortable or like, I'm going to... Their defensiveness comes up because your body doesn't want that energy around it, right? Exactly. It's something that I've noticed. um, And that's what the sound bowls do. And that's what all this does is it entrains you with the intention of peace coming in and kind of filtering out all that. Um, the frequencies that don't serve you um, to a cellular level. What you experience when you're mentioning about a massage, I call this a cellular massage because it literally vibrates. And the wonderful, beautiful thing about energy just free-flowing when it transcends the physical form, the body, the matter, and gets into the energetic and into the cellular system, it creates a buffer around that cell and it brings that cell to life. But it also does the same thing for... Um, your nerve endings. So if you could imagine you being a nerve ending and just say you're just raw and you're painful and you've got, you know, you've got pain in your body and you're just one big nerve ending, but then you stand in front of a (laughs) subwoofer that's just like boom, 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 right? You start just like with the drum or a low, low toned bowl and start to feel it. And then you would walk away kind of vibrating, right? That's why these work so well on a nerve and a cellular system because it buffers those endings, those receptors that come out. So it's easier to just lie there, and then when you come up, you feel a lot better. You feel like you've had a massage. Yeah, it was interesting, um, especially when you're going through the bowls and the different tones, there were certain tones that were so cerebral. They were just like vibrating. Like I literally felt like there was like a headband going around like my ears to my head that was just like resonating in a very, like it brought me back to thinking about like, old school like music days of um, pitches and using a pitchfork and how that resonates differently and in my head it seemed like there were certain pitches that were 
also like making me think of certain emotions. And I almost had this feeling that some of these emotions were like leaving me that like, they were like, almost like when you clean something up, right? Like clean a ball and you shake it up and pour it out. It's like shake it up and like get that stuff out. Like I felt like there was some level of like cleansing um, when I went through it. Um, and I don't, you know, it's a super free form, but one thing I, as I was thinking of, um, as Chuck was talking about the flow tank, I had a question for you and then a question for you. First mm-hmm. off, do you listen to music at all when you go into the flow tank? So there's like, no, it's absolute. The one, well, the, the only times I've done it, it's like complete deprivation. So sound, mm-hmm. like all of it, just pitch black. Like that's sound. the point, right? It's like yeah, complete the, deprivation. The point right? is really just like that entire deprivation. So no, the only, and then they wake you up at the end with a softer kind of like, instrumental kind of thing so i mentioned my add like a lot of times i really struggle with with just the deprivation or like sit in complete silence or anything like that including like when i work like when i work it's weird but for me to concentrate sometimes either background noise like i can go to a mm-hmm. coffee shop and other people moving around me will allow me to focus on my computer which is weird or music and typically not music that's like calming typically it's like Thanks to rap music. Oh yeah. So, um, <laughs> like what I clean to, right? Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. But this, out, this right? level of focus that I get. So, if I can, what's the science behind having sound behind you as you're doing something that like allow you to concentrate? It's almost like it's a distraction, but it's, it allows you to focus. So that's energy, right? So if you could picture your mind, um, just like you said, there were some things that felt like it was really shaking things up and releasing things. And then there are some that just make your body feel completely relaxed and heavy, sedative on But your voice wasn't shaking anything up, right? Like it felt like we went through those, the bowls and the tones mm-hmm. and everything was just kind of like a lot of vibrato in my, my head and everything was just kind of like resonating. And all of a sudden it's like this like angelic voice like, and it would always say, oh my gosh, like, like I'm, you know, like brought us back. So it was, to your point, yeah. those sounds brought on very different emotions into Chuck's point. Like I did, I went through through a good bit of emotions just by hearing sounds. It's so weird. Isn't that wild? And that's because sounds or rather emotions are stored in our body as energy, right? So um, for example, when you look at the physical, the matter body, um, so I kind of mentioned before we went into our sound session that yeah, here, yeah there are the Do that four. real quick, the yeah. overview. Okay, so the way that I work and the way that um, I've been taught and trained and, and passed the knowledge down to work is that you work in four parts of the body. Well, that's not even true. You work in four different um, perceptions. First level of perception is the body. It's the matter. It's the material. It's your physical body, right? And then if they're nesting dolls, so imagine that's the littlest nesting doll. And then right outside of that is the second level of perception. And what that is, is that's the mental body, the emotional body, okay? So remember, ener- thoughts are energy, right? And then you bring it out to the third perception of the body, and that is the soul, which are images, okay? And I'll explain a little bit more in detail. The fourth is the spirit, which is energy, okay? So instead of working just on the physical body, we work a little bit with that, with each level of perception, but what we really want to do is clean and clear everything out and reharmonize everything all the way back to the energy. So going back to entrainment again, if I were to walk into a room and I was had just meditated, you're going to know. You're going to know, right? Because everything's calm. And then it's like, ah, right there, we've entrained each other, or I've entrained in that case, you, your energy. We've worked on the fourth 
level of perception. Now, when you're calm, you're out of a state of fight or flight mode, right? You're feeling safe. Many people, when they're in sessions and they fall asleep, uh, especially in the mental health field, I'd say, well, I'm bored. I'm falling asleep. That's good. If you fall asleep, then you feel safe. How, when was the last time you felt safe enough to fall asleep in a public place or, right? So when the energetic body calms down and then it flows down all the way, you're going you're gonna to hop out of the images because images will create a visceral effect in our body, fight or flight, right? So energy, images, and then the, the we're going backwards now, the mental and then the physical. So with the emotions that are in the physical body, they started a long time ago in the energy, whether it's an energetic imprint from someone else to you, an energetic event from a trauma. If that energy isn't what's called processed and synthesized, then it's still in your luminous energetic field, right? It's in your Taurus, the, it's in your quantum. So if you don't move your aura, we have so many different names for it, right? So if you don't reset your frequencies within your luminous energetic field, which is about nine feet out all around you in an orb, a donut shape, a foot above and a foot or two below that goes into the earth. <laughs> exactly. You're like one big walking healthy cell. <laughs> corona protector. Exactly. Um, if that is a process and synthesize the energy of an experience, it becomes a mental image, right? So uh, I had a terrible experience, for example, a terrible experience on an airplane. Every time I go to get on an airplane, that image, I'm still carrying the energy of it. So now I replay the image. Now it's in my psyche. Anything that you do for what, 17 days creates your character. So if I don't work that out, it's going to be my trait. It's going to be a part of me. And then what's going to be a part of me is fear. Right? And now where fear is going to reside in is the kidneys. So now I'm going to start having kidney issues. See how that triple effects or ripple effects? Is there a energy? correlation between kidney issues and fear? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that's how I work. <laughs> Everyone else. All right. Some pretty bad kidney stones recently. I'm kind of scared about opening a business. So I'm just wondering. If, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> asking for a friend over here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's the beauty of this work that I do is that you go, you don't go through. Now I know I'm going to parallel the two things that we're talking about here. You go through the the, the physical, mental, uh, imagery, energy, right? And then you have to parallel them with the levels. So serpent level. Perception one, okay, that's your body. The level of perception two, that is Jaguar, that teaches us to see things in a peaceful way, to actually practice our power of being peaceful warriors, not warriors in, in you know, with anger or rage. Level three is a perception of hummingbird. And within that, you start to see the beauty of life all around. Okay, so the imagery, it's beautiful. Life is beautiful awesome song what was it um i see trees of green what uh, a beautiful what a beautiful world, world al green right no, no um, oh. oh my louis, louis Armstrong. Armstrong. so like he imprinted in our minds one of the most beautiful songs that could ever have been right we have that there so if i'm feeling off or jaded or like oh the world's just so can i curse on this or not this world is so 
Fuck that. Thank you. <laughs> um, you can go back to that as a tool and create this imagery, which is where meditation becomes really handy. Then you take it to the, the fourth level of perception, and that's eagle, right? Condor, great spirit. From that level of perception, you say, oh, shit, there's kidney stones. Oh, yeah, okay, that correlates with fear. And, yeah, I've been carrying fear. Let me work through this fear energy, right? So... And just very briefly and quickly, for example, a very short, um, I'm trying to edit my head here. Um, I as well did have a lot of kidney issues that I was, I mean, I went through tests upon tests upon tests. I was carrying a lot of fear from literally a plane that was we thought was all going down. And I was like, I'm going to fight this fear. So I did a sweat lodge. I did all this meditation, but I still had these kidney things. I didn't really realize what it was connected. And all of a sudden, it started to make sense. I'm like, oh, this is the fear. <gasps> oh, it's from the airplane. Okay, I'm going to get on four airplanes this year. And I did. And I worked through it. I ended up having to meet with a surgeon because the there was such a big blockage there that they had scheduled me to get surgery. Yeah, I had surgery. You did? Yeah. Okay. And they used sound therapy, actually. Yes, exactly, right? Is this where we're going? Is this, is this where we're going? I just thought about this. But yeah, technically, they, uh, the reason why they put you to sleep is because the, the it's so noisy, the machine that they use, but they're basically using sound waves to just blow up my kidney stones into little fragmented pieces so I can yeah. pass them. Oh, my gosh. This is all coming full circle right? now. <laughs> so you can tend to say your body is one big kidney stone. <laughs> I like the ear. I thought we were going to say the body's one big ear. That sounds better. You remember that from last time? Yeah, I remember. I mean, um, I think the good thing about Chuck is for whatever people think about us, we're we're constantly trying to learn. We're we're learners and we're thinkers. And um, I have, uh, I mean, I lived, I look at myself as as more of like a a business-minded person and a community leader, something like that. And then I look at the predecessors before me and what that lifestyle looked like and with my father's era when that meant like you smoked a pack of cigs, you probably drank every day, you had a bottle of whiskey sitting on the desk, you didn't do a damn thing about mindfulness. Like none of that stuff, right? My dad died at 62, a shitty death, like real sick um, from stress. And like I looked at all these different things that he had and the one thing that I noticed, I also looked at how his emotional state would affect his health, his well-being, and everything else. And he went through a divorce with my mother, and these same health issues that were at one point all manageable and he was doing better with, they all flared up. And I was like, this is not just like a chemistry thing in my head that like is related to a body function. Like this is like there's there's more going on here, and I really started looking into it. And then it kind of became like my own fear. Like when I had kids, I was like, I'm not going to fucking die at 60 years old. And I have three little girls. And so like, there's a lot of responsibility Mm -hmm. at a minimum to say the least. And um, so I just tried to have a a more open mind towards both breaking old habits um, and realizing that like it's not okay just to harness all this stress and all this bad energy. And like, whether you think you're hiding it from everybody or not, you're not right. <laughs> and, um, and then I started thinking about who I was hanging out with. Right. And it's, it kind of manifested in me understanding that it was income based. To be completely honest with you, you take the five people you're hanging out with, you take their income, add it up, divide by five. It's probably close to what you, you know, your income level. And that's your incentive to hang out with people that are out there doing things that are out there like 
you know, getting after it. And I looked at a couple of people I were hanging out with. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get me some older friends. I joined a Lions Club of a bunch of 60-year-old, 70-year-old men that had, you know, that had kids and grandkids and had 40-year marriages and, 30, and these things that I aspired to want instead of just like, the young guys that were just throwing cash around bars and, like, having fun and doing things that, like, I couldn't get into. They so had stories. Full circle. They had stories. Um, yeah. Like, they had you, you were, you were, experiences through life. Yeah. And that's something that we've come, our culture has come far away from, unfortunately, in a very short time, just a generation of sitting with the elders. We just talked about this. Like, I, um, just a, a tribal mentality, right? Yeah. Like, so before you had a tribe and if your dad died in a war, it didn't matter because there were seven other elders there to pick you up and to talk to you. Or, you know, um, without getting overly personal, you know, my dad died when I was young. My wife's dad died when she was 19. I mean, her mm. mom died when she was 27, 28. I mean, when you lose your elders, when you lose these... These, these family structures and these safety nets for lack of a better word um, in today's society there's not a lot there when you look at communities in my mind that are struggling the most there's a lot of lack of family structure there's a lot of lack of support groups within the community and it's tough to kind of govern that right yeah. but in the tribal culture it was all for a greater good and we're kind of in this together and your kids my kid it goes back yeah. to the old school like if you did something wrong in the neighborhood the neighbor would would take care of you and then thinking of your mom and your mom you know what i mean but there was all people looking out for you for everyone's greater good yeah and, and even, even you can bring it down this is a harsh reality unfortunately but i think we can all connect with it is um when the warriors would go out the warriors would go out they would come back um they had you know, brutal events that happened, right? But they came back to the tribe. They came back to community. They came back to love. They came back to food. They came back to shelter. They came back, right? And what do our what do our military come back to? Like the VA system, not dogging the VA yeah. system, but no, you know, no, no, it's, like, it's yeah, broken. It's, it's yeah. broken because it doesn't serve our, our soldiers or warriors well. Yeah. So looping back around to what you said, which is so huge for all of us, is to sit with the elders. So you literally were like, "This frequency is not serving me, right? There's just not enough back here. So I'm going to move forward and find my frequency, who I can, who I feel good being entrained with and by, right? Um, people, places, things, right? Yeah, because it's all energy. Like I know. Like I, like we have a, like my family, like we have a, we always have, we've always been like a community and like everybody's always taking care of each other. Like Darwin is like aunts, uncles, cousins, my cousins. We have opening day, Chuck's grandma, aunts, uncles, they're loading up, they're coming down to see the big day. Like, it's awesome. And like, for me, it's always been, you know, like my family, like my wife and the kids, like every single night, no matter what, we eat dinner together. It's like, Thing. It's like that community. It's like we're doing school today, like talk and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I revisit. So like I started getting super interested in like I mean, just history wise, my family's been here forever. We have a really long history like in this region and stuff. So like finally on the Fourth of July, like I, I knew like a little bit like sporadically about family history and stuff. But I wanted to your point to connect more just deeper than just like. My grandparents, or my great grandparents, who like I knew since all past, but like, uh, so my grandmother is my only grandparent that's left, and like, turns out like she's got this written, documented family history from the 1600s that we've been here, like in wow. Western Maryland, and like, 
revolution, like there's all this stuff cool, like hung out with George Washington, like, like yeah. legit, like yeah, cool so, shit. And, like they were like they established like trading routes with the Indians and were like friendly with the Indians out in Western Maryland. They'd come over and like so so good. And like without speaking to her about it, like it's written down. I have this whole like booklet now that's been passed down through like generations. But without like you know, it kind of shows like where our family's been and like why you know why we are the way that we are for lack of better words because yeah. it's like been passed on to generations and like the tribe hasn't broken up it, it, hasn't, community yeah, hasn't, it hasn't broken up and it's like the same mm-hmm. thing and like my and like my aunts like my great aunts who we call aunts but they're my grandmother's sisters it's a tribal thing have always been into like mm-hmm. and Darby knows that too like they've always been into the spiritual like they have a crystal shop in Gettysburg like that's <laughs> yeah so dude it's called awesome. the crystal wine it's like a really like it's huge it's, it's, it's like a it's really deal with like that yeah. community my ever broken crystals it's on Amazon so like and I you know me being the asshole guy that I was at, <laughs> at a young age right like just hard charging like blah blah blah
what would we do? We would study the cycles of nature around us, right? We would watch the sun come up and we'd watch the sun go down. What goes down? Now the moon comes up. So there's always the yin and the yang energies. Yin is the moon. It's the passive. It's the feminine. It's the left side of our body when we talk about it in yoga. Sun is the solar, the masculine, the get up and go, the drive. We embody that as well. So when we are conditioned, which has been um, a, a generational break with us now, right? Um, we're stepping out of the programming and we're actually understanding, hey, we don't have to be just masculine and solar. We don't have to be just passive and take everything. No, we can combine that and we can be truth to ourselves and to our loved ones. I don't have to be just this and I don't have to be just this. I can be both. I can be the good listener and the truth speaker. I could be the hard worker as well as the nurturer and the one that puts you to bed reading books. So you're, you're living your best life just by saying those things, of acknowledging that. It's very important for our life, for our kids to see us embody both of them. Um, and then two, th what got me into all of this, uh, such a, a longer story, of course, because when you're younger and you, 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 before the age of seven, we tend to notice the veil is thin amongst the world around us, right? Um, babies are pointing up, seeing past loved ones that, you know, they're like, Papa, you're like, Papa's dead. What are you talking, you know, right? The veil is thin till about seven years old and we start to become more programmed. Here you go, go to school, learn this. Don't daydream. Are you daydreaming? Shh. Climate control, when do you get to climb trees, you know, things like that. So they're called the seven intelligences. And we could do a whole separate podcast on the seven intelligences that we embody and how we have. Yep. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm a, so I'm a part of, I dive into subjects. And I oh, research I, stuff. oh, I love it. I love it. So um, Libby Piper, you could put her name next to it. She is um, a wonderful, beautiful, beautiful, dear friend of mine. And, and, um, she has initiated me into a lot of the Native American um, ceremonies and the Munaki rites, which is what I work off of. Talking about those nesting dolls, that's what that all comes What's around to. Munaki? Munaki is M-U-N-A-Y-K-I. Munaki rites. Um, and that is also a different podcast, but um, that is how I work. I work from receiving those rites. Um, because the, you all nine rights get you into a different energetic place, space, and uh, connection. And you go through a series of these ceremonies and rituals, and they activate. Uh, they were made for this time. After the Mayan calendar ended, the new race, everyone's like, the fucking world's going on. <laughs> no, the world is not ending. The new earth, the new human is going to come forth in the Aquarian age. And during that time, it will be the blending of the feminine and the masculine, okay? And it's just optimism being spoken in 2020. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, we're in it, and it's going to take a little bit longer. I think if we tell everybody the world's going to end, we might get more people to listen to the podcast. So, in saying those things, um, we are in a time of, of global upheaval. Right? So what you just experienced with the, the drum, the ocean drum, it's a multi-frequency instrument that's going to shake the energy up in your body. Okay? That's what we're going through. The frequency of the earth is changing, it's shifting, it's raising. And 
people's junk and shadow work is coming out at this time, but people's truth is too. And their hearts are starting to open up. They're starting to say, you know what? This doesn't align with me anymore. Oh, and I don't have to do it anymore. Okay. But I can still live in compassion, love, and kindness. I respect where you are. And I hope you respect where I am kind of thing, right? So that's the new consciousness that's arising. So a lot of times and oftentimes it takes something to really rattle us in life to come to these, right? So when you stopped, you became pro started becoming programmed around age seven, started losing touch with the natural world, the spiritual world, and started kindly becoming programmed. You hope it was kindly. Um, and those things that we carry as our belief systems are very important for us because they molded us. But you do have to also think about what how do you get back to that seven-year-old child again, right? The inner child work, the shadow work, all that, which is coming out for a lot of people. During those times, if you're not grounded and rooted, things will shake you up in your life. And we all have those experiences. A really great pastor once said, you're always getting ready to go through something, going through something, or just got through something, <laughs> right? So we're on a cycle again. And from my experience, it was a lot of death. Both parents died by the age of 56. Um, moving around, just a lot of abuse in relationship, well, marriage, but also paternally, you know, fraternally, to be exact. So having to navigate that as a young child, what did I do? I went out to nature. I climbed rocks. I climbed trees. I got away from my house as far as I could so that I could make things stop. But what I was doing was I was making things grow within me, which was really good, which is very uh, contrary to what most of my high school friends were doing, getting, getting drunk, partying, cheating on people, doing drugs, having a good time, it looked like, yeah. right? It appeared. It was fun at the time. For <laughs> <laughs> just being honest, because that was my life. I mean, but it had a shelf life, a very, yeah, a very shelf short life. shelf life. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so when, and I'll use this term because I'm not going to call myself one. I've always been taught you never call yourself a shaman, but you're gifted that name. And I have been gifted that name. And the shaman typically goes through such a transitional time in their life where they're almost close to death. And for me, that was a form of heart failure. Now here I am, you know, I was in a, in a rough marriage that I hadn't understood that I needed to learn the lessons of that marriage to survive that marriage. <laughs> and I ended up going heart failure, getting a peacemaker. And through that time, I went through such a radical change that it basically blew my consciousness open, right? I could have turned the other cheek. I could have did drugs. I could have done a lot of drinking. I could have numbed myself, but instead I became very spiritual. And that came through yoga first, um, meditation second, sound, and then receiving the Munaiki rites and working with more indigenous style people who have the same beliefs that, that I shouldn't say have the same beliefs as I, I'm coming back to the knowing of what I've always had in me. Right? So it's this ancient knowledge and medicine to me that's coming back up. That's why it's easy for you to receive it because it's already there. For you to receive it because it's already there. It's easy for me to talk about it because scientifically it makes total sense. Now I couldn't tell you where my keys are, right? <laughs> but I can tell you all about the quantum, right? right. And frequencies. Yeah. So within that space, that's where I came to it because there's nowhere else to go. There was nowhere, you know, in 2012, they diagnosed me with what's called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And I was going through a divorce in active 
heart failure. I, we didn't know it at the time and opening up a yoga studio. Right. And the, the doctor looks at me at Johns Hopkins, Dr. Bedrotha, wonderful woman. She said, well, you have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, type one. Here are the things you cannot do. Yoga, number one. And I went, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I just opened up a yoga studio. It's going to be like, no more smoke of weed. It's going to be an issue. <laughs> and I said, uh, she, I said, well, I'm opening up a yoga studio. She said, you're going to have to reevaluate your next five to 10 year plan. And I said, no. She said, you'll be in a wheelchair or walker between three and five years. And I was like, the hell I will. So that's where we can't get into epigenetics. That'll be another podcast for another time. But epigenetics, I dove right into it head first. How can I change the environment of my genes so that my mutated genes don't express themselves? Oh, sound, meditation. Oh, don't drink that third glass of wine, you know, unless you're ready for that. How are you going to feel? Oh, thought. The energy of thought creates a frequency in your body. If I carry that and I live that, it becomes it, right? And here I am, like eight years later, no wheelchair, no, no more dislocations. I still have this little guy, but um, I'm not a wheelchair or a walker, you know? So this truly to me is my medicine and it's so old and ancient that I do believe that it helps, it can help everyone, you know? Um, different ways, it doesn't have to be exactly what we did today, but different ways and styles. Perhaps it's just breathing techniques for somebody and saying mantras, right? Or multiple times people say, oh, I can't meditate, I can't meditate. That's a very helpless feeling when you see these people that are portrayed as these happy, yes, exactly, floating above the mountains in like garbs and they're just like, oh, and they call, you know, that's enlightenment, that they're awakened and you're just like, oh, I can't get there, yeah. I can't get there. It's because it's been portrayed and programmed um, most likely in the wrong way to you. Understood? Washing a dish, perfect way to just start meditating. Your brain is still active, you're still doing something, right? But now you're also remapping your brain to get into a meditative state instead of a flighty state. I don't think people want it to be any work, right? Like they think they're just yes. gonna like, I, I yes. wanna meditate, which means I just wanna close my eyes and feel like yeah. amazing. <laughs> right? And that's not what happens. And like, for me, when I started thinking about meditation, because I kind of used to think that meditation didn't really work and my brain just runs too much. Um, but then I started thinking about that there's monks that just dedicate their lives to being able to meditate for extended periods of time, right? So, like, that's when I do meditate, I find that like 15 or 20 minutes is kind of my sweet spot. And I feel that maybe at some point I would like to try to proactively increase that time. And I think I could do it through training. Right. But I would have to, I, I only have so much resources and effort. I'm not putting all my effort being the best meditator right now. I'll move forward there <laughs> later. But this idea of like a lot of this wellness stuff is the work and the journey will give you the peaceful. So it's not the actual sitting there in the pose, but it's working to get your brain to a point that you can sit there in a damn pose and enjoy it. Right. And I think with a lot of, well, you know, we're opening this campus, um, and it's with a lot of similar intentions of reason what you guys have a campus in Berlin, right? Mm -hmm. Multiple, this multiple disciplinary approach, you know, that if sound, um, is, is amazing and has a lot of help for uh, many, many folks, but that might not be your thing. Right. Exactly, yeah. Um, and uh, that's <clears throat> for so long, 
I knew that a lot of people were having issues because of an imbalanced endocannabinoid system, but that wasn't all of it, right? right? So we can only do so much with an actual chemical and dispensary, and I wanted to be able to, to have these different options because for me, <clears throat> cannabis and CBD, um, which I didn't even understand how helpful CBD would be for me because I used THC for so long to actually embrace and understand what um, what effects I could get from something that doesn't give me a instantaneous effect was tough. But so I started with that, balancing that system, using CBD, using cannabis, and then it was working out and like working out, working out. And that was in February 1st is when I started. I've lost like 22 pounds, but my mental health and what I've, I've endured some pretty crazy shit over the last few weeks. And having that base of working out and, and taxing my body and, and to the point like feeling like I'm just getting it out there. Like when you're doing certain exercises, let's say you're, you're squatting, Chuck's one of Chuck's favorite activities. In that moment, when you have that weight on your back and you need to put that weight back up, it's yeah. tough to think about like your marriage or it's tough to think about like whatever it is that's ailing you or, or could be consuming your brain at that point. If nothing else for that three seconds or five seconds, you know that like your brain's getting a little break. And like yes. it was those little like mental vacations that I realized like of, of exercise and then just the exhausting of energy. Like you only have so much energy and I work out hard. I mean, so when you, you know, when you come out of that and you're literally physically exhausted, it's tough to have a ton of energy to be physically upset, right? Like yeah. we talk about being physically upset, right? Like, like something rage that, almost. Yeah, come it out, is right? a rage. Yeah. And it's, it's in your body, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that's why I feel like when you exercise and things like that, and I'm constantly in between Modern medicine, which you have a pacemaker, right? So, I like do. that's so shout out to modern medicine, yes, 100%. right? <laughs> and at the same time, um, shout out to, to Western medicine for and, and natural medicine for, for equally helping you. You need both, right? Uh, always, there's and, balance, yeah. And, and that's where I'm at, right? Yeah. And I just, I just think that more folks need to be open minded to doing work, spiritual work of yeah. things like this and diving into there. And that's really what's you know, it's going to make them feel better. hundred percent. And, um, Dr. Mitchell Gaynor is a name that you might want to know. Uh, he's since passed on, but he is the reason why sound healing, sound therapy, sound immersion, uh, has come back to the States or is integrated into the Western medicine. He was an oncologist, hematologist, and general practitioner for, and I hope I can remember this perfectly or correctly, um, Cornell University, Texas Hospital, and New York Hospital. But his resume is like, oh my gosh. And you listen to the guy speak and you're just like, oh, keep talking because you're just a sponge of his information. A lot of my studies in sound uh, immersion was based on what he brought back, his understandings, and he using it with his oncology patients. Remember, so Western medicine is largely on curing, right? And thank goodness, because we need, we want a cure for things. But Eastern philosophy and medicine and indigenous is healing. You may not completely get rid of your cancer, but you may die peacefully and ready to go. And that's a good right. question, right? Like that's the big question that versus like United States versus like other countries is, 
Is the goal to be zero percent cancer, or is the goal to be be healthy and, and happy? And I think those are some really you know, because because you could have the existence of cancer in your body, but it not be affecting your quality of life. And right. or you could say, I'm going to just keep doing these radiation or chemotherapy or these really rough treatment protocols to try to get to zero percent. Yeah. Which is typically, which that was the goal, right? Like cancer free, ring the bell. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, yeah. and this is just giving us a way to deal with cancer patients. And, and I understand that yeah. when you, um, when you start mixing it up with them, yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting to, to, just to see how much they lack a normalcy of life and how much, um, I question you know, is, is the treatment always worth it? Right. And we have, we have some very non-traditional cancer treatment options, not treatment, it's not treatment, um, whatever the FDA approved word is, but <laughs> Rick Simpson oil, right? So this Rick. is a, Rick Simpson oil is a, is a cannabis therapy that a lot of folks have used and, and swear by in tumor reduction and alleviation yeah. of the negative effects of cancer. And I wonder myself, like, I get a test one day and it says I have crazy cancer. Like, I honestly think that I would walk the walk. I think that I would opt first towards an RSO or towards a, mm -hmm. a diet change. Uh, a lot of different options, I think, before I would be the first thing to decide to say, no, nah, just start shocking me with radiation or giving me these horrible drugs that are that were used as war agents in, in previous times. Right, right, and like right. we talked about, and it's, it's, it doesn't have to be cancer, right? Like, if your kid's acting up. I said it. I said it. <laughs> I mean, do you need to necessarily throw methamphetamine pills at them? Or is there an opportunity to see what happens if Junior runs every day and is like right, physically just, things. and it maybe comes in yeah. and comes and has a Christy cell therapy. I mean, yeah. let's take it another step further. We, we teach them how to use a gong or an ocean yeah. drum, how to regulate their own energy it's, while it's, meditating. It's easier to... Yeah. Uh, to invest in children than to heal broken broken adults maybe broken men if you will and uh, when I think about like a lot of the things that are going down I look at communities where there's high levels of violence and high level of crime and poor levels of communication and I wonder what happens if you take those 10 11 year olds and brought them into a setting like this mm -hmm. and taught them mindfulness and taught them a breathing exercise to de-escalate because there's some of those things that are just they lack the elders right Exactly. So yeah. I, I honestly believe that the the natural reaction for most twelve year old boys when they get upset is to punch something. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. Okay. Punch the wall. Like no one taught me how to handle those emotions. Right. Now, luckily, I had people to teach me how to handle those emotions better than than nothing, right? But not my father didn't have the mindfulness of knowing how to handle his own stress and emotions. Better yet, to be able to teach okay. me how to properly handle that stuff. But now that the curtain's off, right? We now know that's no longer acceptable. That's not okay. Why are, like, we need to go out and engage these folks. And I think that that's, to my mind, getting in there, teaching this mindfulness, teaching these, these coping mechanisms sooner than later so that by the time they're teenagers, they're not having... I mean, yeah, we talked to mental health professionals that are telling stones. us they're talking to 14, 15-year-olds that are having complete breakdowns. Yeah. Because life is too hard at 15. Isn't that heartbreaking? It is because it doesn't get any better at 37, yeah. I promise you. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Especially if you think about it, I mean, 
break down that even further. Like we live in a world that's never had so much, right, of abundance. Like no matter what it is, yeah. the world's full of abundance. And at the same time, the mental health and capacity of the youngest generation is just not there. So like, what's uh, and like for me, I look back and it's my own spiritual journey, right? Like I started reading the Bible a little bit again, just right, like just yeah. because. I feel like that spiritual aspect of everything has just been whether it's traditional, you know, the Native American medicine or Eastern medicine or just spirituality in general, it's just been stripped from people. A hundred percent. And without that purpose, like this kind of stuff, it gives you like, especially that's why I love this type of stuff, because when you're finished with it, like you get up and you have a purpose. Like you have, right, like you have some type of feeling that you can feel it in you like, you can feel the energy from the earth as you walk a little bit and you get up and stretch and like you have, you're driven and you kind of have this purpose where if you just strip spirituality and whatever it is, religion, ancient Native American spirituality, you strip that away, like, what the hell do you have? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I struggle with that. I want to, I want to touch upon that. And then there was one other thing that I want to make sure that we hit on, um, because a very, very important what you're saying what you guys are saying to especially this time like so we're the melting pot right america is the melting pot and as beautiful as that is we don't practice our indigenous medicine our indigenous teachings so unfortunately we've been unhinged from our true roots of ourselves right what is american what is that right um i encourage everyone to get really deep into where you come from so all like the the shamanic, the Peruvian, Native American. When we say Native American, we mean South and North America. That's the way that I was taught and trained. But honestly, when I really am feeling unhinged and fearful, I need to put Armenian, I'm Armenian, Armenian church hymns on. <laughs> and right? And that all of a sudden brings me back and I hear it and it flows through me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel wonderful. <sighs> ah, right? The Bible, right? Lacrosse. Those are things that bring us in. But how do we help heal ourselves with our where we come from, where our roots are? So when we look at America, we don't have we have a society, we have a culture, but it's really not about fulfilling our souls and moving energy in our body. You know, um, a lot of tribal. <gasps> that's important, right? That's all important to move and be tribal and dance. We don't dance the way we used to. Everything, a lot of things have come into organized dancing or you should dance this way, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, we should dance, we should sing, we should laugh and we should share, we should share stories without judgment on someone else. You know, when I meet a Turkish person, I don't go back to the Armenian genocide in my mind and think about what my grandparents and my family did and how they've lost things and the deaths and the rapes and all that. For a split second, I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to get uncomfortable. Hi, I'm Armenian, you know? (laughs) And then all of a sudden there's this, and then there's this, ah, because I love, that's what I was taught through the escape of the genocide for my my family, my grandfather. And that unfortunately has been a wall that we've built up is the judgment and the separation and when you break it all down we're you know well we're all one so yeah it's the difference between like you breaking that and and there's institutional things in our society right now that 
put in and strengthen all of those judgments and um, Facebook, right? Like social media, these things like yeah, that, right? Just judgment sensors, right? <laughs> it's either you're looking for positive judgment because you you post something, you get a like. That's a That's judgment. That's it's true. a good judgment. It's a good point. <laughs> maybe you don't get any likes. You're like, maybe that was a negative judgment. Or maybe someone starts commenting and tells you what a piece of shit you are because of what you posted. Or how could you, maybe you're, you're so narrow-minded because you, you know, <clears throat> if you're not thinking right now in, in the environment right now and you're not questioning, okay, I don't want to hang out with you, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? To begin right. with, but why is the sky blue? It's, it's it really, is? really why? tough to. It's really, really tough to do any of that in a public setting in today's world, which because we can't meet in person is social media, right? So I'm feeling a certain way, and I think that I'm noticing something, so I'll post it, and then it's just like rabble, 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 like schools, or I mean, there's so many divisive topics right now. And Did you find in the sound bath you were absent of all those, right? You I didn't think about coronavirus a single time. Right. During I know. The back, right? <laughs> Just being serious. Like I didn't think right. about That's because you became neutral. And the one one of the most important things about doing this work, um, and any energy work at all, the energy, the fourth level of perception, any time. energy work um, is you have to be neutral. I can't help somebody I can't help shift someone's energy. If I'm having a jacked up day and I'm bringing that in, you know, remember the two, the, the two conductors, the same orchestra, same piece, same yeah. audience, two different conductors. One conductor had a very loving, kind heart. Everyone enjoyed it. They didn't even know that the conductors had switched. This was a gentleman who was not, um, was not a nice guy. And he came in and did the same piece to the same audience with the same orchestra. And they didn't like piece two. When you become neutral, and that's the in between the yin and the yang states of your body, that we need to practice. That's where mindfulness comes in and helping our balance and uh, balance of everything. When you become neutral, you're not on one side or the other. You're just a light walking through life, right? It's hard to stay there because no one else is. <laughs> right. So if you notice, you come home. Maybe you've meditated or you've you've worked out. You've run whatever you did and you come home but your family as awesome as that ecosystem is it might not be where you are at that point and very quickly you can get jolted one way or the other right that's where the work really comes in is how am I going to practice neutrality and when I practice neutrality is when I'm going to be the most peacefulness right so we have to wrap this up soon and I think that might be like a really great thing to lead off so cool. that practicing of neutrality is that what allows you to get stuck in traffic, forget three of your sound pieces, and then still show up and then be able to deliver the session because you still have the show goes on, right? Yes. And like I find that a lot of times, no matter what the chaos is behind the scenes, we have to express a, a level of neutrality, right? And like, and I and I've also noticed that we also try as a, a team to not show the highs and lows. Before I thought, well, you don't ever want to show the lows, but it's okay to show extreme highs and I just think you know I think for the most part I get up I get up and down a little bit but for the most part I'm way more in in pocket as I say um, depending on whether it's and, and part of that comes with like 
when you're in a position where someone tells you the greatest thing in the world and you're a piece of shit within a three minute time period, you have to realize that neither one of them people are right, right? They're, they're both coming from extreme perspectives and I'm probably neither one of those things. I'm probably in the middle, right? And it's kind of like, so that level of neutrality, is, is that what you would say allows you to, to like stay like in that? that zone because you're you have, I think sometimes the perception is well if you're a yoga instructor you're just bubbly because you're bubbly and, and your life never has any adversity and you have no reason to be upset but I have all these bad things going on in my life right, right? yes yeah perception is very great especially for yoga it's so funny because people will see me and if they haven't been to the studio for a while they're like I feel like a priest they're like I'm so sorry I haven't been to yoga <laughs> stop cursing in front of me I'm like no, no I want to curse I think we should curse you know? yeah. <laughs> and uh my sound therapy is screaming fuck you scream as loud as I possibly can exactly right that's right so um one little thing I'd like to leave leave you guys with to do for yourselves at home whoever's watching yeah. and and listening and, and us is to practice neutrality um in the sense of it's it's very hard to start practicing it with your loved ones if you're in a relationship or even your parents or children because they'll start to think that you're just zoning out and maybe having like small seizures and not even realize it because you're just trying to like listen and do like the connected thing so that is a acquired skill and you'll you'll get to that um get out in nature of course it's a big thing right now the earth has a frequency, a, a electromagnetic field that is very calming to us because we are physical matter, right? So we can reground ourselves just by touching. Remember the thing we did at the end mm -hmm. with Mother Earth breathing in and then giving back? Something just as planting your hands to the earth or your feet is re it resets our matter, our hard wire, right? Our hard drives where the energy, the spirit, that's our software. This is our hardware. That's our software, right? So what I encourage to practice neutrality is, is get out in nature and find, this is, was one of the hardest parts of my own shamanic training, find a trailhead or where there's a lot of animal life and get yourself grounded, couple breaths, couple sighs, and then walk in. And if life ceases, if birds stop chirping, um, you need to go back out and start again. Until you can get through and walk through where life will not cease anymore, they will then see you as their own energy and you're not a threat anymore. Okay? Because the animals pick up on energy too, right? Yes. That's oh, yeah. their life. That's, that's their so language, cool. right? So when you come in and life ceases, go back, reground, tap into that yin energy, root down to Mother Earth, and then walk in and see how you can, how many times it'll take. It doesn't matter how many times, just as long as eventually you can do it. And then you'll be walking through, you know, everything. And Whistling Dixie like Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Feeling like the hummingbirds, right? Exactly. And being in that, um, when I practiced that, that was out in California, and I chose a few different trailheads to take, and I was very scared of mountain lion. Being a hiker from Pennsylvania mountains, I was like, oh, it's black. Okay, cool. Not having no idea what, how this mountain, how, if a mountain, like I get nervous just talking about it. You can hear it in my voice. <laughs> um, that was a total different predator energy that I had to deal with. So I had to really get myself ready. That's cool too. You're talking about predator energy, right? Like, yeah. you, you can sense it, right? Like, you can sense it. And it's a very legit. It's a natural thing in the animal kingdom, right? Yeah. 
they sense the fear. Yeah. yeah. So in Yosemite, when I was I was there um, hiking, and I could feel. I was like, I don't want to pitch my tent just anywhere here. Like I could feel the predator energy. When I went to Mount Shasta, I slept on a boulder at the bottom of the, the mountain, just like, and I just roamed around, and I didn't feel that there. So, could I have worked through my feelings in Yosemite? Yes. Did I? No. Am I glad I didn't? Absolutely yes, because they ended up closing it that night. It was two years ago. They ended up closing the whole Yosemite Park because of the fires and um, the wildfires that were happening. So everyone had to be evacuated anyway. So I would have probably gotten caught in there because I would have yeah. illegally yeah. pitched a tent somewhere far, far away from everything. Got caught in the wildfire on their way out. <laughs> exactly. I would be like, what the hell's happening? But just to end it there, that one trail that I took, the first time that I was practicing this neutrality, I got to a point where I could hear this knocking and I kept going, kept going, and I was underneath this canopy of trees where it was an orchestra. It sounded like the biggest drum circle I've ever been to in my life. It was woodpeckers. And so I took a video, just, I don't know how many woodpeckers, and I was in the middle of it, just standing there listening to all that. What an experience. That's and then I walked past a rattlesnake that everyone was like, other trees, they were like, oh. And I just walked right by it, I did my hike, turned around, came back, rattlesnake was still there, and I wasn't jolted. You have to be in a place of neutrality to be able to do that, though. You know, it doesn't make me any different than you guys. I can still get fight or flight, which is very beneficial and sometimes. But, yeah. So, connecting and understanding I, I, your I energy. can't wait to have you come back. Oh, awesome. I think we, we've already lined up three other podcasts in the next <laughs> period of time. And, um, and also, you know, I, I look forward to hopefully having you just come speak in the community room and just Thank putting you. out a couple of classes together. I think this is this is phenomenal. I'm super excited. Um, you know, to take this little knowledge and try to continue it on. And Chuck's going to go and you know his rabbit hole of research and yeah, you know, and. Research. Thank you. You have an amazing facility. It's Thank absolutely you. beautiful. This, this no one ever said that before. Well, it's hard to say it's a facility, but once you come here, it's a little bit easier. It's so welcoming and beautiful and bright and clean feeling. And the energy is just, it's awesome. And you guys as a team, I'm just beside myself at how family like it just felt from the first time. Just loving. And I know Brandon, of course, so I'm not surprised that, you know, he would manifest such an amazing group of people to work alongside of, right? That's what's happening. Thanks for bringing us together, big. Yeah. Uh, and then, if people, if some of our listeners want to find out more information about what you do and where you are, or what these are, or what these <laughs> are, which is anything about it in general, where can they, I guess, give them the website or sure. any of stuff out there, and they can do a little bit of research for themselves as well. Sure. So it's um, www.zenowellnessyoga.com. My phone number is 443 373 7069. I said that direct. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right to the source here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that is. It's, uh, yeah, it's true. Um, um, yeah, any questions, I'm reachable through text, email, or the website. That's you. phenomenal. And uh, one last thing, this is our, our first podcast in the new setting, in the new space. Um, as Chrissy mentioned, Chuck, you've done just a, a bang up job through the construction process. Um, we're here filming on 722. We have our CFO. We're in the process of this thing. This will be cool when we three or four years down the road to think about this mm. being our very first podcast in our new space. And uh, it does. It looks got great. got a lot of good energy in here now after 
this session today. Yeah, absolutely. Blessing. Thank you for blessing us with uh, your positive yeah. energy. Uh, sure. It was great. It really was. It's all going the hell now that you're leaving. Do you want to say a couple? Do you want to say a curse word before we go? <laughs> Holy feces! Um, fuck yeah! Yeah, nice job. <laughs> All right, you. thanks. <laughs>